Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News in lovely Denver, Colorado, where it will not stop snowing. Jason Luber. I'm not bitter about the cold and the snow, am I? (laughs) I am sick of the snow. You know what? I might have to call Big Al uh, down there in Tucson who works for our uh, Scripps uh, station down there. And, uh, you know, we've had Big Al on the show uh, talking traffic for Tucson. And I I think it's about time for Big Al to retire and for me to take over his position uh, because I am ready to be done with the snow. It is just ridiculous right now. Totally ridiculous. I'm ready to give up the, uh, the snow for rattlesnakes and scorpions. I think at about this point. If you want to be uh, a part of the program, then you can uh, always reach me here via email, Twitter, Facebook, uh, the phone number 303-832-0217. All that contact information is right here uh, listed on the podcast if you need that right there in the description of the show. I'd love to hear from you. And we uh, heard from a couple people about uh, my comments last time about the... um, idea of pulling people over and having it all automated and it it, it th- there were a couple of good points that were brought up somebody commented to me about in the Dante Wright case that we were talking about last week that the police had pulled over Mr. Wright for having expired tags and uh during the story actually uh his mother because they were on the phone uh, he called his mom and was telling his mom uh, before he was shot that he was pulled over for having a uh, air freshener, one of those things, hanging from the rearview mirror, and then was also cited for uh, expired registration tags. And then also he, they found out after they were running his ID that there was a warrant for his arrest. So that is uh, why... There are laws like you can't have an obstructed windshield, uh, so uh, an officer could then pull you over and see if there's something bigger. I talked about that last time where the officers, uh, at least in my experience and the ones I've talked to, are always looking for something bigger. They're always looking for that uh, the, for the offense that will take somebody to jail, uh, get somebody off the street, that, that, that thing. Not just write a ticket. Uh, they'll let those people go. They just want to get somebody uh, with bigger offenses. And so that was a perfect case. Uh, one of these, uh, cases where pulled over for, let's say an obstruction on the windshield finds out they have expired tags. So they're going to ding them for that. And then found out that Mr. Wright had a warrant. And so after the struggle, then he was trying to get, uh, Mr. Wright was trying to get back in his car. And that's when the officer was yelling taser, grabbed the gun instead of the taser. And, uh, then unfortunately, Mr. Wright was, was shot and killed. And, and so, my point during that whole episode last week was talking about sh- could we, because that was from the tweet that that uh, that was sent my way, uh, could we make uh, these uh, traffic stops automated? Could is it is it worth it to have uh, officers maybe that are unarmed officers uh, out there doing traffic enforcement and and maybe that's something we look at. I don't know. It, it, it is, I heard that from an interview just the other day ago. Is it, is it worth it to have maybe a traffic division officer that, that, that does not bring a weapon to a scene like that and then maybe has to call for backup if there's something bigger going on? Um, 
And, and, and they make good points. So, I mean, there's good points to be had all around the, the whole issue. So uh, I, I thought it was an interesting conversation uh, from last week's episode. And, and, and I, I do think there's going to be changes going forward. We'll see what happens in the future with uh with with traffic enforcement and if it's going to become more automated or or we're going to see fewer officers uh, e- either armed officers or maybe specialized just traffic uh, patrol out and about uh, doing traffic enforcement um, because you can't stop doing traffic enforcement you're going to have people driving crazy all the time and that is going to be an even bigger safety concern for the general public uh, than having a- armed officers pulling people over uh, and, and getting into struggles with uh, uh, with people. So anyway, uh, it was a, it was an interesting conversation and you can listen back, uh, last episode. And it was a while back, a couple years ago, in fact, uh, I think it was episode, uh, eight, number 81. I was interviewing this guy. His name was Rod Busher and, and Rod is the CEO and founder of this app called Blinker and Blinker launched back in 2016. And they had this, this promise to transform car buying. And, and it was, uh, by, uh, Rod is here in Denver and this op, uh, this app offered all kinds of things that weren't in a app of its type at the time, like fraud detection, the vehicle identification, basically, uh, and financing, which was the big thing, uh, and 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 messaging services to give peace of mind to buyers and sellers. It, it, the biggest part of the business was really the financing part of this transaction. It was one of those you you take pictures of your car and then you list it on the app on the Blinker app and then. Uh, somebody else sees it. Oh, I want to buy that car. But instead of having to go get separate financing from a bank or a credit union or somewhere else, you could get financing right there from Blinker on the app. And that was the changer, game changer for that style of, of buying and selling a car. Um, but at the start of the pandemic, Rod announced that the business didn't really track, uh, attract enough users to build a, a robust marketplace that uh, was able to compete with the other apps like uh, AutoTrader and Cars.com. So then he decided to pretty much sell the business to the parent company of AutoTrader and Kelly Blue Book, and they are hoping to take it to a whole nother level. So nearly now what you can do is seller, if you want to sell your car, you can just take your pictures of your car on your phone, and then they use the Blinker technology as well as the technology from Kelly Blue Book and AutoTrader. And after you scan your license plate, they know the the year and the make and the model of your car. They can estimate how many miles it's been driven. They use the Kelly Blue Book vehicle valuation system that everybody knows about to give it a fair market price. And they hope to then also be able to handle all the paperwork, the payment, the title, the transfer, transfer the title and all that stuff. And then also offer financing, just like a bank, through the app. So they're hoping to be a one-stop shop now to handle all your car needs, which is pretty interesting. Um, because before this deal, it's with it's technically with Cox Automotive. Um, they saw a couple hundred listings a month and and, and relied on this two hundred dollar fee from buyers and a commission from financing uh, to really pay for the whole thing. But now they're seeing over twenty five thousand listings a month because of Auto Trader, and so. There you go. That's that, that's how one idea for an app can snowball and then become something really huge. And it, and it was it was fun for us to talk to uh, Rod back when he was first starting the the thing. And now now they're wildly successful, and I'm still here 
broadcasting in my basement. <laughs> All I ask for 5%. That's it. And, and I'm still waiting on the check. Uh, so one of the biggest stories this past week was a crash of a Tesla down in Texas that unfortunately left a couple people dead. Now, neither of the people killed in this wreck were found in the driver's seat. And that's one of the weird parts about this story. One of the people was in the front passenger seat and the other one was in the back seat. And it was reported by the firefighters that this Tesla Model S veered off the road, hit a tree, and then the all-electric batteries continued to catch on fire and continued to burn. And they say it took roughly nearly uh, four hours and 23,000 gallons of water to get that fire out. And we all know that the Tesla can be driven on autopilot. And it's not officially known if the feature was being used at the time of the crash, but the Tesla founder, Elon Musk, wrote on Twitter that data logs recovered so far show that autopilot was not enabled on that car, and the owner did not purchase that autopilot feature because it's a separate feature that has to be purchased a bunch. We've talked about this, too. There's going to be cars that are going to be all equipped with everything, especially the higher-end cars. And you will have to pay a subscription fee to activate some of these features that are in the car. Autopilot, uh, you know, <laughs> you're going to have have to pay for maybe to have the windows go up and down automatically. Or otherwise, they're going to have to get the whole crank windows again. Well, I mean, everything in your car from the radios, XM radio. Oh, speaking of XM radio, I have a story about XM radio. It just reminded me. Uh, but all those features uh, can be uh, activated or deactivated depending on if you buy those features. And th- that's going to be a thing for cars in the future. So moreover, uh, Elon Musk continued saying standard autopilot would require lane lines to turn on, which that street they were driving on did not have. But maybe that was the problem. Maybe there was uh, uh, the uh, the uh, autopilot activated. It got the car got onto a street that didn't have the lane lines, and that's what made it confused and drive into a tree. Because autopilot has been the source of other high-profile Tesla crashes, and and we've all seen videos of people using that feature and sleeping while driving or doing or just not paying attention while driving because the the feature is supposed to be used with you as a driver in the driver's seat looking at the road just making sure that the car is doing what the car is supposed to do it's supposed to give you a little bit of a break but but uh, just like your auto uh, your uh, your speed control right that i used on my uh, trip to um, goodland kansas and back i uh, used it and it's great i love that feature and I'm sure I would have liked to have the feature where I could have had the uh, autopilot going as I was sitting in the front seat of uh, my car driving to Kansas, but and back. But I, I still don't quite, I still don't quite trust it. And nor do most people around the country. Now, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is investigating this crash as it as it does for all these high-profile crashes and and other ones that are involving Teslas. Back in March. They uh, sent a team to Detroit looking into a crash that critically injured a couple of people when their Tesla drove under a tractor trailer. There's been other accidents involving Teslas doing the same thing, going under tractor trailers. One of them resulted in a couple of deaths, unfortunately, because the vehicles were in the autopilot mode, went right under a tractor trailer. And Tesla has said that the autopilot feature in the full self-driving technology are programs that are supposed to assist drivers but they should be ready to take control at any time. 
But federal transportation officials say Tesla has done a poor job of monitoring drivers to ensure that they are actually engaged before allowing the autopilot feature to be activated and be used on roads that maybe are unsuitable for the autopilot feature. Now, still what is in question here is are one of the two people that were in the car that were killed in that crash, the person that was maybe in the passenger seat, was that the driver who maybe activated the, the system and then got into the passenger seat? Or was was there a different driver? Was there three people in the car and then the driver got out before the fire happened and still is is out there somewhere? Um, so so that all of that needs to be investigated and they need to find out what's going on uh, with that. But we're not ready for prime time on these Tesla cars yet. Um, and ready for the autopilot feature. And I think that's why a lot of people are still freaked out because we still hear about stories like this and it just sets back the whole autopilot feature uh, back every single time we hear one of these stories. And interestingly, there's a, a, a man in Canada is from Alberta, British Columbia, and he has been charged with dangerous driving after he was allegedly caught sleeping in a Tesla that was in the self-driving mode. And Canadian experts are calling this an unprecedented case. This incident happened this past summer. And on top of the criminal charge, this 20-year-old man is accused of speeding and even had his license suspended for 24 hours due to fatigue. That's a thing in Canada. Now, the witnesses claim that saw this whole thing happen, claim that the man behind the wheel and his passenger were fully asleep and their seats were fully reclined as their Tesla was going about 90 miles an hour on a freeway. And obviously that's, that's not safe. There's a Vancouver criminal lawyer who says this is an unusual case and it's a legal first, not knowing of any other cases where somebody has been charged for being asleep in a self-driving car and charged with dangerous driving. Police in Alberta say the autopilot is not a self-driving system and they still come with the responsibility of driving and monitoring what the autopilot is doing. And these technologies assist the drivers, but they are not replacements for the drivers and the drivers must still adhere to the rules of the road and laying back reclined in a seat while sleeping at 90 miles an hour does not include following the rules of the road. Now, traffic laws in British Columbia do not permit driverless vehicles on roads that the driver is still responsible for the operation of the vehicle, including when the driver assistance is activated. So since that is the law, then that driver can be charged with dangerous driving. And that's exactly what's happening. Now, one lawyer has asked about this case and says this case is going to lead to really important decisions from the court about what the obligations are by a driver when the car, any car, whether it's a Tesla or any car in the future, is in a self-driving mode that could influence the way that future legislation addressing these issues is going to be drafted. So it's going to be interesting to follow this kind of a court case 
because really they're talking about, and, and I've talked about this in the past a long time ago when self-driving cars were still being talked about and, and, and it was really a first instances of self-driving cars by the Teslas were coming out and, and they were and they were able to be used out there, that are, are we going to see a self-driving car or the company that makes the technology or the car that is being sold or, or a, a whole bunch of different companies actually being on the hook for a, a crash, a death, a, a, a serious injuries, or is it just going to be the driver that activated that mode and then was not paying attention at the time of the wreck or the problem or the whatever? So who's going to be on the hook here? How are insurance companies going to deal with it? Are the, are the insurance companies going to uh, uh, only insure drivers when they're in non-autopilot mode, when they're driving it themselves, and and then they they the uh, the auto insurance companies say we are not going to insure your car if you have the self-driving mode enabled because we we don't know who to insure. So uh, the, all these issues are going to have to be worked out, and it's. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting to think about. It's pretty interesting to talk about. And, you know, since this is the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast, with many worldwide listeners, including some in Central America and down in Mexico, also in Peru and Brazil, I, I wanted to share this press release I received about how the country of Guatemala, the most populated country of Central America, has increased the security of vehicle license plates. The government there uses a company from Germany, and they're going to be producing just over two and a half million plates by the end of 2022. Now, the Guatemalan government wanted these new license plates to be forgery proof. There's a lot of problems with forged license plates in parts of Central America and Mexico. So uh, they make these new license plates with three holographic elements that meet the same standards as the holograms on uh, let's say your certain banknotes. There, there are certain uh, uh, denominations of money from different countries that have these holograms on them. I think uh, my driver's license now has a hologram on it. Additionally, the back of the registration plate carries a barcode and an identification number, which enables a track and trace function. This means that the, the plates can be traced throughout the entire production process through their issuing to the vehicle owner, so it prevents manipulation all the way through that process. The Guatemalan government regards vehicle registration plates, license plates, as an official document. It's a a vehicle identification card, if you will, that they say must be protected accordingly, just like your driver's license. And I say, sure, why not? I'm all for more secure documentations, and if it's something that they think is a problem and they're finding a way to deal with it, well, then good for them. It sounds like a, it sounds like a win-win situation. And I, and I just received another uh, email, this one from uh, the company is called, it's, it's in all, again, in Germany. I think it's the same license plate company uh, that's working with the Guatemalan government, that they are going to be making license plates basically more smart smarter than that where they're going to have uh the ability for these license plates to revolutionize traffic is what they say by having that same uh technology 
that you have in a it's like that Bluetooth technology. Basically, it's uh, the same technology. You have that uh, RFID D reader, right? I think yeah, the RFID uh, uh, little broadcast, like you have on your um, uh, that little chip that's in your uh, credit cards. That it will be in these license plates, and therefore can be read by sensors above the road, next to the road, and so they can uh, know who's driving where. And uh, and so they say it's going to be new technology. Um, it, it'll be pretty interesting to to see how all that works out. I should actually call this company up and see how they are planning to do it. I, I don't know if they are are willing to to have somebody. Um, that speaks English, <laughs> come on uh, this show and explain it all. But it, it doesn't hurt to it doesn't hurt to ask, cause Zoom and and uh, WhatsApp and all those are there. You know, we don't have to pay for internet, uh, or we don't have to. Yeah, we don't have to pay for internet long distance, right? So I think it's a good idea. Maybe I'll call them. Um, I, I I say why not? Why not? Right? Oh, and there was one other thing I, I wanted to mention. So uh, you know, XM Radio. And Sirius Radio, they they came together, right? They're, it originally started with XM Radio. This is when I was at at eight fifty KOA Radio a long time ago. This is this is like twenty years ago when I, when when XM Radio first started. Um, it, it was really a big deal. They were going to put the satellite in space, and you're going to have internet radio, basically uh, broadcast to your car, or your phone, or wherever to your little handheld radio. Uh, and you didn't. And this was before the cell phone had had that ability to do all this stuff. Um, it was really, really revolutionary. It was it was a big deal to have satellite radio. And of course, me being a radio guy, I wanted to be in on the ground floor. So I was one of the first ones to buy one of these MiFi radios. So this XM radio was a little uh, handheld radio. Oh, a little bigger than a, it was bigger and thicker than a um, than a cell phone is now. Uh, and you would have to hook up the you put the antenna. On your car or outside your house, whatever, and you you'd stick it up there on the on, on the roof. Had a magnet, and then you run the cables, the little cords, into your car, and you could plug it in through the uh, cigarette lighter or the you know whatever the adapter is now, uh, and you could power the thing, and then you get these channels, these satellite radio channels, and it was awesome. I mean, it was really amazing. It it was revolutionary. It was great, and so I was paying a monthly fee for the satellite radio. And they came out a couple years later, a year later, it was a couple years later, and they had a um, and they had an offer, lifetime subscription to XM Satellite Radio. This is way before Sirius Radio and before they 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 combined, right? So this is uh, XM Radio, and I I, I think maybe three hundred dollars something like that for lifetime subscription. I'm thinking I'm gonna have I plan on having this thing for uh, a long time. Uh, so sign me up. So boom, I paid it. And I had the lifetime subscription. Well, after a little while, the XM uh, people decided to change their policy. And the way they changed their policy was they allowed you to transfer the radio twice. And then it's done. And then it's over. And then you're not allowed to transfer it anymore. And, and once you're done with it, you're done with it. And then you can't have your lifetime subscription anymore. Well, that that, that made me mad to, to know. I, I mean, I was just so angry about that whole idea that I couldn't keep my lifetime subscription. So I transferred it to one car, transferred it to another when I bought another car, and I thought I was going to have that car for a while. We didn't. 
And so we had to give up the car. That means I gave up my satellite radio. And I think that was back in 2011. So maybe 10 years ago is the last time I had my satellite radio. Maybe maybe eight years ago, something like that. And I was just so frustrated. Well, I received an email. This was, oh, it had to be back, maybe back in the summer or the fall last year. And it was for a class action lawsuit that somebody up in Washington State, I think, or Oregon, and he took, he was just as mad as me, even more so that he got a lawyer involved, and he took XM Radio to court. And he said that a lifetime subscription should be a lifetime subscription, where you don't just transfer it twice and then it's over. You should be able to have it and maybe transfer it as many times as you want to different radios because we change cars and we can't, it's just not feasible to have one car, one whatever, because most people are listening to it in, in their car, right? And you're always changing cars. So why can't we change our radio with our car? And he made good points. Well, so he won this class action lawsuit. And, I, and, and as part of this email, he said, all right, sign up, put your uh, radio. Uh, disc-. And I had all that information because I'm crazy. So I had all that. And so I signed up as part of the class action lawsuit and they settled and adjust, well, I think it was this last week that I received an email saying from uh, from the, the the settlement court saying you can now activate once again your XM radio subscription. <laughs> Yay! I got it back. Oh, it is so great. Now it's it actually wound up being in my wife's car, which is fine. So we get to use it in in, in her car, but I also get to have access to it on uh, my phone. So I have the uh, mobile app, and we have it in the car, and it's back to normal. I, 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 I think as part of the settlement, I can switch it as many times as I want, but there's a $50 fee to activate the radio on another device, another car, another whatever. Fine. That's great. As long as I, I can transfer it for as long as I live, and that is all I wanted with my lifetime subscription. So I finally, once again, have a lifetime subscription to XM Satellite Radio, and I couldn't be more pleased. I mean, it's, I, I don't even, I, I probably won't even listen to it. Actually, we listened to it a bit on the way coming back and going to Kansas for our baton twirling competition, and uh, that was fine. It was nice. It was, <laughs> we were joking. We were flipping through a bunch of channels, and I said, I looked at my wife, and I said, hey, it's like the old song. You know, 50, uh, what, 10,000 channels, 57 channels and nothing's on or whatever. What was the Bruce Springsteen song, right? Yeah, it was pretty much that. Uh, and, and <laughs> But I have it and I love it. Actually, the best thing about it was having access to all the news services, you know, CNN, Headline News, Fox News, uh, all the business channel newses, uh, newses. Uh, and it's, I would like to listen to those as I'm uh, driving around, especially during breaking news situations. Where I used to, uh, until I had the radio back, I would just have the uh, my phone hooked up to YouTube TV or, or some other uh, uh, service and then uh, listen to it. I, I'd turn it so I couldn't really see it, uh, but I would listen to that uh, broadcast if there was some kind of breaking news thing. But now I can I can use the EXM radio. It's perfect. It's great. <laughs> Loving me some XM radio. And I love you too. 
uh, by the way. Anyway, if you want to get a hold of me, you can always do that here on the uh, show. You can give me a call, 303-832-0217. You can find all my contact information right here on the description of this lovely show, the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the Traffic Guy. Be safe and, as always, happy motoring.